Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, our lesson is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, through chapter 11, verses 1 through 16, if you wish to follow along in your Bible. Paul speaks to women of Corinth in regard to proper public worship. Pastor Harris outlines this instruction for behavior in four points. That which is, number one, symbolized by culture, verses 2 through 6. Number two, specified by scripture, verses 7 through 12. Number three, substantiated by nature, verses 13 through 15. And number four, summarized for all in verse 16. Please follow along with Pastor Jim as he sorts this all out in today's portion of this week's message entitled, Heads, Hair, and Hats. None of the churches, and if anybody could talk about churches in the plural and know what he was talking about, it was Paul, because he planted a whole bunch of them. He was very much the link between Jews and Gentiles in the body of Christ. He was the one who, who jumped that barrier by God's direction more than anyone else. He was the one who made that connection more than anyone else. He was the one who went out of his way to dress, act, eat, and talk Jewish when he was with Jews, and to dress, eat, act, and talk Gentile when he was with the Gentiles. Why? Because he was afraid of them? No. Because he was inconsistent? Well, yes, but he was inconsistent in a consistent way. He was always wanting to do everything he could to get the gospel to people, and he refused to do anything that was culturally offensive that would get in the way of spreading the gospel. Now, that's chapters 8, 9, and 10, and now he's making this application here more specifically in the church. It's, it's foolishness, and frankly, it's very dishonest with the Word of God, to say anything different about the relationship between husband and wife. It's spelled out quite definitively in Ephesians chapter 5 and the parallel passage in Colossians chapter 3 and in 1 Peter 3. Those are just the New Testament passages. There's a lot in the Old Testament as well. The point is God designed different roles for men and women in marriage. The man is the head. That means... Just like what it says in James chapter 3, verse 1, let not many of you become teachers, because as such, we shall incur a stricter judgment. God holds the man more accountable, more responsible. If you don't like that, go ahead and don't like it, but it's God you're not liking. It's His, it's His plan. That puts a man into a position of of responsibility, not a position of boss, not a, a position of commander. No passage tells a husband 
to make his wife submit. None. Zero. And any man who believes that he ought to make his wife submit, he's got a problem because she's an independent agent. She's responsible to God for how she responds to you. You jolly well better make sure that you are giving her a Christ-like, loving, caring, nourishing, cherishing, uh, uh, watchful example that she would want to submit to. And, by the way, there is not one single passage anywhere in the Bible that tells a woman how to make her man be what he's supposed to be. The best, the, the closest to that is 1 Peter chapter 3. You, if, even if he is disobedient to the word, you win him by your behavior without a word. Meaning, it's not because you harangue him, it's because you act like, well, like Sarah acted toward Abraham. That's the example that, that's there. So the man's authority, and we, we always say there's authority and submission in every category of things in, in culture. Uh, there's government authority and, and citizens submit. There's a boss's authority and an employee's or a slave's uh, submission. There's a husband's authority and, and a wife's submission. Yes, that's true, but the man's authority is to love his wife as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. A man has the authority to nourish his wife and cherish her. The man has the authority to study her and figure out how best to minister to her. That's what 1 Peter 3 says when it says, dwell with her according to knowledge. Listen, men, you are never commanded to figure out women. Can't be done. But if you're married, you better figure out one of them. All right? She is not generic woman. She is the one that you are married to, and you need to figure her out. I have a great joke about that. I won't tell you. Um, a whole bunch of them, actually. A man has the authority to grant his wife honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life since she's a woman and she's a weaker vessel. Again, First Peter chapter 3. In short, he has the authority to be the leader in their relationship in sacrificial, selfless love that makes her know she's cherished and appreciated and protected. Now, on the woman's side, she is called to respond to her husband's loving leadership in an equally Christ-honoring way. And, by the way, she is just as accountable to God for how she submits as He is for how He leads. All of it is in submission to the Lord. And by the way, do you know that, that before that section in Ephesians chapter 5 that talks about the husband's leadership and the wife's uh, submission, it says that we should be submitting to each other? It's a mutual submission where you accept the role that you have. Now, I included a lot more with your handout tonight. Um, I, I thought it would be useful here, and maybe it's just because... I spent a whole bunch of hours on it. Um, I thought it would be useful to show you an example of how to um, apply some wisdom from a passage like this. I'm including this as an example of, for how to wrestle with Scripture 
and to apply it carefully when you go from one culture to another. I was tossed into the hotbed when I first went to Russia. I was going there as the teacher to teach the Scriptures, and I found out that traditionally in the churches in Russia and many of um, the Eastern European nations and Central Asian nations that border Russia, they have adopted the same practice for women in the evangelical churches there as the culture does in the Russian Orthodox churches there. The Orthodox church is colored way more by tradition and superstition and culture than by Scripture. But their practice for generations was for every married woman to cover her head in church. And if you go deeper into history, every married woman to cover her hair in in, uh, cover her head in public, not just in church. Now, the practice evolved, um, especially after the fall of communism. But when I first came on the scene, the older Christian, marry, uh, Christian women who were married, even if they were widowed, um, they wore scarves completely covering their head, except for the face. Must have been easy to get ready for church. Didn't have to fix your hair. Just get a scarf and literally tie it around so only your face shows. It was interesting to see the younger Christian women who were married wore a symbol in the form of a decorative scarf, maybe folded up, or a headband as a symbol of being married. But they styled their hair and worked in the head covering and let their hair be seen. Well, that was scandalous to some of the earlier generations. Who do you think you are? Women, Liebers? You know, what's what's going on here? This is is rebellion. Well, I thought it was pretty cool for the single guys. I mean, when you got to church, you knew who was available and who wasn't uh, because they're not that much into rings. Um, So, Uh, You know, I thought it was handy, but you can see there was a cultural expression and a generational uh, evolution that took place in that. Along came a few pastors who carefully studied this passage and some others, and they came to the conclusion that it's more harmful for us to identify with the practices of the Orthodox Church which is the number one persecutor of evangelical Christians in that world, they thought it was worse to identify with their practice than it was to to have their wife go without a head covering. And some of those pastors actually asked their wives, please don't wear a head covering so that we show we together stand in Christ and, uh, and, and we don't want to be like the the ones that are trapped in the traditions and the legalism of the orthodoxy. So you can just guess, when the American expert showed up, and you know, to be an expert, you have to be at least 100 miles away from home. I was 6,000 miles away from home. I was really an expert. And you know what an expert is, right? X in algebra is the universal symbol for the unknown quantity. A spurt is just a drip that's under pressure. 
So an expert is some unknown drip under pressure. That's, that's, that's usually what happens. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.